0: hey everyone welcome to the voices in japan podcast with your hosts ben and burke on today's show we are joined by japanese tea master randy randy has been a master in tea ceremony in kyoto for over 20 years now we talk about many things such as the appeal of studying or participating in tea ceremony What interested him about the practice, training to become a tea master, and much, much more. We also talk about his bilingual book. It's called The Book of Chanoyu, Tea, the Master Key to Japanese Culture, uh, which details everything about Japanese tea and Japanese tea ceremony. And that's available on Amazon and also bookstores in Japan. Randy's new book, Zen Tea Ceremony, from Tuttle is available for pre-order now on Amazon and will be released in October 2021. You can find the links in episode notes. All right, on with the show. 1, 2, 3... Just before we begin, uh, if you could just like kind of give us a brief uh, background of when and uh, why you came to Japan. We usually kind of start this with our guests.
1: Okay, no problem. Um, I first, well, I came to Japan like when I was still living in Hong Kong. Prior to moving here to live here, I was living in Hong Kong where I was doing Kung Fu and stuff. But I came here, um, I've been saying this a lot recently, but it's kind of true. Jesus was still a baby when I first came to Japan. (laughs) And so um, I visited several times while I was living there in Hong Kong. And I finally made the decision to move here in. uh, God, you guys weren't even born yet. 35 years ago. Wow. Yeah, I was
0: born. (laughs) I don't don't think I was just born. I was just born.
1: I I can't remember the exact. It was like 85 five i'm guessing wow yeah so like i say it's uh, long ago that i would like to forget when i came
2: that's a uh, that's pre-bubble era isn't it or bubble era
1: bubble just like that <laughs> <You> know, just <laughs> on, on its you way know, down i, I just <laughs> missed it if i was in the same position i am now back in the bubble area I'm afraid you guys wouldn't be able to uh, have a podcast with me. <laughs> <laughs> That's
0: yeah, you'd be on a tropical island somewhere.
1: <laughs> I, yeah, I would be... Do sh- you know the left-handed, they say in Japanese, Hidari hmm. I mean, I'd be fanning myself with the left hand, which means <laughs> I would be farting through silk, I guess, would be <laughs> one way to look at it. But I'm not, and so... And I'm shading through cotton, I guess. <laughs>
0: <laughs> wow! So, 1985-ish. That was when yep. you was that when you settled, decided to settle. That's in Japan? when I
1: yes, that's when I moved to uh, Japan from. Uh, actually, I came from Thailand. I was in Hong Kong, went to Thailand, and I came here. And so, in '85, I came here, and I initially I stayed probably two or three months in Tokyo, and then I uh, moved from there to Nagano. Matsumoto city in the center of Japan right uh and then in 19 well let's just go back there that's actually where I started the reason I came to Japan was to study the martial arts right so kendo, kyudo, iaido, naginata, and nitoru uh, and um I was doing also like I learned the phrase when I was in Hong Kong in Japanese is yodo, the martial and cultural ways together in unison I guess and uh It seems to have a a stronger presence here, but at any rate, I just felt that by studying martial arts only, there was kind of an imbalance in my character, if you would. So I wanted to try to do something cultural. So while I was still living in Nagano, of course, I went there first for the martial arts that I just mentioned, and then to try and balance that yin and yang, so to speak, I uh, started to do okoto and uh, calligraphy. You're familiar with the okoto. It's a long Japanese harp, long string plank, and uh, calligraphy, but apparently have no talent for either of those. So, just by chance, the woman that was living next door was a, a tea teacher. And so, I started to go to her for lessons. My first time was just kind of an experience to see how it would be. And I was immediately enthralled with it because of the, the postures, the movements, the way things were held, and the way we bowed and walked and things like that. And so, uh, I started doing it. But again, back in the day, then it was still just kind of a passive hobby, if you would. And so, uh, it wasn't until nineteen, let me get this right. Yeah, nineteen ninety-three, where I moved from Matsumoto to where I am now, which is here in Kyoto. And I entered the Urasenke Semmongako or the Urasenke Technical College of, of Tea. And I studied there from ninety-three to uh, ninety-six. And then I graduated in ninety-six. So I started teaching tea as a professional tea master for lack of a better word. Uh, in
2: 1996, so that's a that's a three year program. Then
1: it was at the time; it's not anymore. Um, it was it was one year. Actually, it was just they they have Tonki Bank uh, short term study groups as well. But for the the Midori Kai is kind of a a body within the school that is accepting non Japanese students for study, and it can range from anywhere from two weeks to like three years at that time. Uh, the two weeks, of course, they don't really want to do it so much, but they have a lot of people to come in just to experience it. But generally speaking, you have to commit to at least one year. And then I did the one year and did two more after that. But I was the last one to go through. They kind of cut it after that. I guess they didn't want any more people like me going through for long extended periods of time. <laughs> I mean, that, that's and so now um, it's only for one year. But of course, this year—having said that, not this year, but last year—this is the first time we haven't had any non-Japanese because of the situation with the COVID. And so there are no, there is no midori kai program right now.
2: Well, one year, or three years—that sounds like a pretty intense program. Is it? I mean, what, what is that like? I, haven't, I can't even imagine, like, uh, what the curriculum or
1: yeah, you no, call the it curriculum. It's, yeah, it's definitely curriculum. It's a. Uh, a little, it varies a little, like say, for example, you have, as I mentioned, the Tanki Banki, which is the short term study groups they have, if I'm not mistaken, they have three months, six months and one year. And those courses are aimed at people who already have T skills and T knowledge. But the three year program open for the regular body of students, I'm not counting the Midori here, I'm just talking about the regular body of students, Midori Kai meaning the non-Japanese group, uh, they can start at zero. So that's totally up to you, or you can start as a professional and just start at the beginning, and the end. And so the curriculum is very uh, well worked out. It's a very professional school. And, uh, in for our side, where we're doing with non Japanese, the day was divided into, of course, the morning and the afternoon sessions. The morning sessions, uh, would be things related to tea, like history and, um, art, uh, also cooking uh, how to cook the traditional japanese meal how to make sweets different crafts different arts and uh, so it was an academic study in the uh, morning and then in the afternoon we changed over to the actual jitsugi or the actual practice of doing the tea procedures and things like that and so uh it was divided like that for the whole 3 year course uh, variances in some instances sometimes you would do academic for the day or courses throughout the day and, and of course on the weekends there were times when we were doing either assisting the Grand Master or making presentations for non-Japanese dignitaries visiting Japan and things like that so it was a, a very full-on course and uh, a lot to learn and I'll be perfectly honest even though I'm sitting here as a team master I still feel that I haven't even touched the proverbial tip of the iceberg yet as to where I could have gone with it uh and so uh it was a very interesting, I mean, you think about it, that's three years that you did with high school was three years and it seemed like forever, didn't it? So now it was, uh, that three-year course finished. and Then I was a teacher and I would really learned a lot after having graduated, to be perfectly honest. So,
0: so <laughs> that in, um, in Japanese, your course, or was it in English? You said there was a the lot of course, foreigners.
1: The course, the, the, the Midori Kai program, that was, uh, developed for the non-Japanese people, the course was in English. That would mean that the many of the professors, of course, didn't speak any English whatsoever. So it was there would be a, a professor with an interpreter or oftentimes somebody like myself who really can't speak Japanese very well interpreting for the class. So they're not getting anything <laughs> compared to the proper knowledge that they would say. And so uh, but at any rate, basically in English. But uh, like I said, the majority of professors were speaking in Japanese. And in the afternoon, it was the same thing. We had uh, people that could speak English and teach us in English, but for the most part, it was kind of in Japanese. And then you just had to follow along if you didn't understand Japanese. Mm-hmm. And uh, to be honest, the majority of people didn't speak Japanese because they were coming to Japan for the first time. I already be- had been living in Japan for probably 10 years before I was introduced to the program. And so it was a little bit different. But again, like I said, my Japanese at any level sucks. I was just writing a letter today to some of my fellow uh, practitioners and I gave it to my manager to look at. And she's like, he just laughed. I'm like, wow. <laughs> okay. And then, so I, in the end, I to the Japanese people that were reading the mail that I was sending, I said, uh, I'm sorry, please struggle by in English to read this mail. <laughs> so I didn't bother <laughs> writing in Japanese towards the end. <laughs> so that would be a great difference between myself and Alex, who you uh, interviewed before. He's a, a whiz when it comes to that. So, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah, for sure. That uh what you said about like um you know, even now feeling like you kinda are still just touching the tip of the iceberg, um, it sounds a little a lot like uh martial arts or how people describe martial arts. It's kinda like even when you get to black belt or the more you actually study, you kinda realize the more there is to keep studying and things kinda open Ex- up more. Exactly, and more.
1: exactly. And another thing of it is to example, in the martial arts, I don't know about you guys, but myself is like, you know, every time, oh, this is so difficult, so difficult, so difficult. And I'm like, it's not difficult. I'm getting the hang of it. I'm doing pretty good. I'm rocking. I'm going. I'm, yeah, I'm scoring points. I'm winning tournaments. And then at the end of the day, you, you kind of get to the point where you go, ah, okay. Now I see what they mean by it's difficult. <laughs> you know, so it's, it's, uh, it goes just beyond the, the, uh, technical skills if you will of course technical skills you must have them if you don't have them and you can only talk the talk and not walk the walk it's not very good but you still you know there is there is a uh a side to it where you definitely need to have that yin and yang balance of the boom boo diodo, <laughs> so to speak
0: so you're saying randy that you've uh, so you've been a team master since what nine so 97 98
1: it's 96
0: yeah so you've been a master for that long and you still said that you have a lot to learn um Definitely. what kind of things you know would you say you still uh, can learn about or that you're interested in, in gaining more knowledge
1: if we take tea and put it together with martial arts or compare them to martial arts actually one of the first things that attracted me to tea was the actual movement of tea the first time I went to the woman that I mentioned, Matsumoto, where I was able to watch her make a performance of tea or a serving of tea, I was like, holy shit, this is very similar to the way we move in martial arts, the way we hold things, the way we pick up things. And uh, so for me, it was the the temai, which I guess in, in, in the martial arts world, we would compare it to kata. So the form or the procedure of doing it uh, was very interesting for me. So I was really more, and even today I'm a little bit more um, concerned about the actual flow of the procedure and the order of the procedures, because like in the martial arts, if you do a kata, what's the longest kata you do? How many minutes, not even minutes, right? I mean, okay. Even what is the absolute longest kata that you've seen or done? You know, even if you take like some esoteric Chinese iron wire, you're looking at tops four or five minutes i can't imagine a form going beyond that it could be mistaken please somebody correct me but t the absolute minimum would probably be about 10 or 15 minutes and so the the level of concentration that you need to remember the points to go uh at the beginning is is I don't want to say it's daunting, but it's very its very good that you have a back. For myself personally, it was very good that I had a background in the martial arts to remember the progression of things. And actually, to be honest, I find when I'm teaching people that use their bodies, like dancers or martial artists or people like this, they're quick to remember the movements. But where I'm lacking, to get back to your original question, is that, uh, of course, as I mentioned earlier, I'd, my Japanese sucks. And so my reading of it is worse than my actual speaking of it. And that's pretty sad. And so, there is a lot of information out there on tea, like tea and the connection to Zen, tea and the connection to various other arts. We say in Japanese, which means it's a complete art form, meaning that it's related to so many other uh, Japanese traditional arts and crafts. And the influence of tea on these crafts, or vice versa, is very, very strong and can't be overlooked. And so, I think I'm lacking in the academic side of tea uh to be perfectly honest that's where i would probably be able to pick up my most uh, information the procedure side of course i'm there's there are so many different procedures and so i of course don't know them all i have a, a fairly decent grounding but uh i you know there will be times even when i'm teaching i might have to check in a reference or something to be able to make sure that i'm teaching properly because i don't want to impart False information. I don't want to put on airs like I know everything. I'm very honest and out front with people. You know, I I, I know what I know. And that's it.
2: Could you? Uh, I mean, just to help us and maybe other people to understand. Uh, better like could you describe a little bit about i mean you said there's many different uh, forms of tea ceremony and stuff and uh i mean i've only seen like documentaries and stuff so i'm not sure exactly what you might be referring to whether that's like uh uh chanoyo or ch- 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 chaji or uh exactly what i mean could you help us understand just okay. a little bit of the basics
1: the, the uh the term chanoyu hmm, is another term for tea okay like in Japanese, the general populace will say sado, but we at Urusenki, we say chado. And then chanoyu is another term. To be honest, chanoyu is the term that I prefer to use. But basically, it still means the way of tea or the tea ceremony. And uh, the term you mentioned, chaji, um, interestingly that you even know it, because a good majority of people don't understand the term, even if I show them the two characters, "cha ji," which is ocha no cha, tea, the tea character, and koto, meaning thing, it would be a tea thing. Most people would understand the characters individually, but they couldn't get a vision of what you're talking about. Whereas if we take what it means is the formal gathering of tea, and then there's an informal gathering of tea called the Chakai. And the Chakai, if I say Chakai, most people get kind of a, okay, we can understand. It's like a a serving of tea in a, what would you say? Uh, A tatami style room or something like that. But these are just, uh, what would you say? Images that the, the populace would have, but when you're actually doing a performance, performance, maybe not quite the right word I want to use, but you understand what I'm saying. When you're serving tea at a, um, let's break it down to this. We have the formal gathering, the informal gathering, and then the practice of. And so the practice kind of revolves around being able to put together a formal gathering. Uh, generally speaking we don't practice the serving of the kaiseki the traditional Japanese meal so much we concentrate more on the actual procedure of doing the tea and so within that area there are many different kinds of procedures that you could do um, for uh, like oftentimes if I'm on a TV show or doing something quickly or like in a lecture I just last week, uh, the week before last, I gave a lecture at a, a place here in Kyoto and I actually did a serving of tea at the lecture. It was a 15 minute lecture only, but I was had enough time to make a serving of tea where I used a tray uh, and a tea bowl and uh, tea and hot water and things like that. And so uh, it varies from like a, a 10, 15 minute serving up to an hour long serving or an hour would be pretty short stretching, but 45 minutes, definitely. And so we have the uh, Okuden or the hidden uh, teachings of tea, which are related to uh, specific uh, utensils that were earmarked as being famous pieces back in the day. And these are, you know, great pieces, medium, great pieces, semi-great pieces, things like that. And so the handling of these utensils would be done in a different fashion than they would lower quality. I don't You know what I'm saying? Uh, Rank, lower Mm -hmm. ranking. And so, um, and of course, the two major changes would be the seasons. In the summer season, we serve in a certain way. In the winter season, we serve in another way. Now, when I say summer and winter, what I'm meaning is the period from the beginning of May to the end of October being what we would refer to as summer. And then from November to the end of April would be winter. And so uh, these kind of things uh, change. Like, say, for example, we're at the end of February right now, and we're doing a winter serving, but next month we will be able to use a kettle that hangs from the ceiling as opposed to one that's kind of in the floor. It's still, the fire is still in the floor, but it hangs. And so there, there are various uh, seasonal changes uh, that you can see throughout the year. Uh, but the general flow of the procedure is the same. You do a, what you would call a, a purification, a serving and then like an after purification or a cleanup, if you would. And so a lot of these, uh, procedures are based on, as I just mentioned, utensils, but a lot of them are based on people as well. And so in the, the beginner level, let's say, yeah, beginner level procedures, you first learn the handling of how to purify things and how to, of course, make tea and stuff. And then the next step up, you would learn how to handle a situation where you had like a VIP or something like that. Uh, this is kind of old school because... Uh, really to be honest you don't really want to differentiate too much be supposed to be equal or all of the same blank rank but reality comes into play especially during the samurai time when you had uh, obvious ranks that were were put out but even today i mean if we will serve like the grand master serves princes and princesses and things like this and oftentimes he would use a a setting like that but uh, other times would be say, for example, if uh, you gave me a tea bowl and I wanted to share it with other guests, that say, for example, you couldn't be there, but the people that are coming were friends of yours. I could say this particular gift was given to me, and you know, like that. So there are a lot of procedures uh, based around things like that as well.
2: Wow, and,
0: and are you um, are you teaching all those procedures as well, Randy? Yes. Like in your uh, yes. like at what you're doing actually now.
1: Yes, exactly. I teach all of them
0: and that's um Uh, so your place is ranhote is that right or or your website is ranhote ranhote is
1: the the shop yeah no no that's that's the name of the shop and i teach here um because of covid my classes have been cut dramatically i only teach now like once twice a week whereas i was teaching five weeks or five times a week and teaching once a week in tokyo as well but of course the tokyo class has been cut until further notice but uh i my main uh Keikoba, my main place of teaching is at the Nashinoki Shrine at the Imperial Palace. There's a shrine on the east side. And uh, that's where I teach my my major lessons, uh, meaning that my shop, what I teach is I teach a table and chair style of seating, which was developed in uh, Meiji Gonan, the fifth year of the Meiji era. So that would be what, 1872. And so it was a table and chair style seating that was developed for people that were visiting from overseas to the, uh, it was, Not really a World's Fair, let's call it an agricultural trades fair, I think it was, but that was hosted here in Kyoto in 1872. So the grantee master at that time, the 11th generation of the Udosenke tradition, Udisenke is the tradition I belong to. And uh, he was, or he developed a style that would allow visiting dignitaries from overseas to to not have to sit on their knees in Seiza, knowing that it would not be very uh, pleasurable for a good majority of the people. And so we started using these tables and chairs in, from that time. And my Keiko bar, my teaching spot at the Nashinoki shrine is a regular uh, tatami style room, Our rooms mm-hmm. actually.
0: And will you be teaching um, like courses and like a full curriculum, like the, the, the things that you studied I, and you learned when you were younger?
1: I teach, um, Uh, when I mentioned that I was teaching in Tokyo, I would teach there, I would teach like uh, a five part course and then one, like normally what it was is January and August were break months, so I would teach in between those months and it was a five part course Um, that course was aimed at people that had tea knowledge, it doesn't have to be but it was aimed at tea knowledge and English because I was teaching it I was teaching them how to make presentations in English to non-Japanese visitors or English speaking visitors, let's say. Mm. And so at my regular course, um, I teach ongoing. So I don't teach a course, so to speak. You come and you study with me until we die together. You know, <laughs> so there's no, there's no, uh, there's not really a course, but I do teach like at Doshish University or something. I would have like a 15 off course And I teach the people how to do this procedure that I mentioned before, where you're using the tray. Having said that though, because of COVID, we're on zoom now. So it's uh, impossible to teach beginners on zoom. Um, Let's not say impossible. It's very difficult. And so it's more, I'm doing the academic side of it, but I am looking into doing a zoom course for people that do have skills. But the problem with that is, is even though people have skills, they might not have a tea room and the utensils that are needed. That's why they come to the sensei because the sensei would have, Uh, the majority of things that they would need. Oftentimes people uh, don't have anything outside of just a few basic items. So they wouldn't be able to continue very well. Uh, But I'm also looking at doing a corporate course where I'm giving people more of the spiritual side of it, but also being able to, to make a serving of tea as well. And so this is something that I, because of the situation here, needing more businesses, like I'm, if you look at the reality of it, I'm losing quite a bit of, uh, money over the, the past year and things like that even like last year from April to August I w- was unable to teach at all and so it was you know it's uh, everybody's in the same boat we're all making ends meet but as best we can so but I not being a business person need to think of a different avenue to increase my income oh, or yeah. I'll have to do what we call yo nigga. run away in the middle of the night
2: (laughs) (laughs) well i hope you're getting some kind of able to get some kind of support like a lot of businesses are from the government and stuff for for that but uh here's another uh layman question for if you don't mind but uh you know there's just so many different types of tea in japan uh you know even apart from green tea and stuff um Could you talk a little bit about the tea that you are normally using or are you using different tea in different situations? And like, do you, are you very specific about where you source your tea from and stuff like that?
1: Yeah, that's actually a very good question because uh, oftentimes when I say that I'm a tea master, people mistake that fact that I know everything about tea. It's not the case. When we talk about tea in the way of the tea ceremony or the way of tea here in Japan, we're talking about matcha only and there are two varieties of matcha there's a thick tea and a thin tea koicha and usucha and that is it there's no other tea you're not drinking oolong or jasmine or you know sokankeicha or anything like that uh, so the tea itself is matcha and so that's all that we use now having said that i have produced my own line of matcha so that's where i source my matcha is from my from my own source oh wow and that uh, that is uh, from the field south of Kyoto in an area called kyotanabe Bay, and so the difference. All tea comes from the same plant. Maybe some of your listeners don't know that, or do know that. It comes from the genus called Camellia sinensis, and that all tea comes from the same plant. It's just the processing after, or the in the matcha. Also with gyokuro, if you're familiar with the gyokuro tea, hmm. the leaves are shaded. Actually, from about next month, month, April, we shade the leaves. To, to starve the uh, plants of light. And what they do is they strive to get that sunlight, it increases the chlorophyll and the amino acids and things like this and makes the tea much sweeter. And so after we're done shading and we start to pick, we would r- remove some of the shading depending on the season and the climate, and things like that. And then we pick the leaves and when the leaves are then taken from there directly to the plantation where they're immediately steamed what that does is it stops the oxidization and fermentation, I'm sorry, the stops the arm oxidization process. And then we run them through big blowers to take off the moisture from the leaves and then into an oven. And so that dries them down. And so it's a three tiered oven that they run through. It's about 200 degrees, 230 degrees. And then the, the leaves come out the other end. These are what we refer to as tencha, these are the leaves that we use for grinding the teas um before we grind them we kind of uh take away the uh, stems and things like this and make it pure and cut them into uniform sizes and then as they're needed they're ground uh cheaper quality teas will be ground immediately putting the packages and sent out but higher quality teas will be uh stored and then taken out as they're needed uh and so the other teas like say for example the green teas and things like this you uh, are different flavored teas you have uh, fermentation with oxidization and also, uh, what would you say, uh, flavoring added and things like that. Whereas matcha is the purest form of tea you can get. As I mentioned, there was absolutely nothing done to it. It's picked, steamed, dried, and ground into a fine powder. And the difference also being that you're drinking the whole leaf of the tea. You're not just drinking the steep or the infused broth of the tea.
0: So, Randy, you, um, when you were uh, uh, kind of having a lot more customers, uh, pre pre covid um what kind of people were were coming to to your kind of tea classes was it mainly like people that were just visiting uh japan for a short time on holiday and just wanted to experience the tea ceremony well
1: let's let's clarify this um you we have tea classes and then at my shop i have tea experiences so for the experience tea, of course, it's people that just want to come one time and have a, an experience. The, the tea lessons are for people that are planning to come and die together with me. Mm-hmm. That's the tea lesson. And so, but I do have people, not so much like now, but people that live overseas and they would come for like an intensive one month course and then go back to New York or Vancouver, whatever they were. And uh, that kind of a, a course would have happened, or not a course, but that kind of practice happened. But generally speaking... People that want to experience tea, they're not what I would refer to as my students. These would be people that have come to experience uh, like an hour's talk and maybe a bowl of tea where I can actually have them make the tea themselves, guide them as to what would be proper tea. Mm -hmm. And so this kind of, uh, uh, what do you say, experience is a lot of things are a lot like what a lot of visitors and tourists and things would experience here in Japan. So it's a little bit different than an actual study of tea. It'd Be like a one-day lesson slash experience.
0: I haven't really ever heard of a non-Japanese tea master, and I think like a lot of listeners might may, maybe might agree with me. So I was I was quite intrigued to hear that you know a, a non-Japanese person could become a tea master. Um, especially in japan um yeah. were there any kind of uh obstacles to that you had to you know come ac- that you came across when becoming that like was there any pushback from other like i don't know maybe japanese traditional team masters that kind of frowned upon outsiders and I, I know like in martial arts you can kind of get that kind of uh kickback sometimes and I wonder if
1: yeah you've um like that. no um been lucky in that respect for both the martial arts and uh, tea like even when I was in Matsumoto when I was studying martial arts as I mentioned that I a list of different martial arts that I was doing generally speaking like if you're doing kendo they want you to do kendo a lot of people don't even want you to do EI together with your kendo if you're going to do kendo just do kendo and a lot of people frown upon that but I was very lucky that a lot of my sensei supported me in all the different arts that I did and in the way of tea even back in the time of Sen no Riku, we're looking you know almost 500 years ago is there? he had a, a, a disciple that was from Portugal. And so, uh, as far as being a tea master or studying tea in Japan, it's I, I've never had or never felt any animosity towards me. That could just be that I'm stupid to be you know, <laughs> you know. Because I know I have sometimes I've been interviewed in magazines, and then there'd be feedback on the on the uh, internet and stuff like that. I, I remember one magazine interview I was in, I was talking about culture, and I mentioned something. And the guy said, well, you shouldn't be teaching. You should go back to your own country kind of a deal. Yeah, okay. Oh, wow. you, 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 haters are going to hate. You're going to get it everywhere. But I'm yeah. kind of, I'm used to that. I'm not used to it. I just don't, it doesn't bother me. I mean, I understand the the psyche of, of the person. And so yeah. I've been lucky in that sense. And like, to be perfectly honest, because tea at its highest pinnacle is for everybody, right? It's not about being... I don't know if I can even say black and white or Asian or whatever. I mean, it's just everybody is a taji. It doesn't matter what your religious beliefs are. It doesn't matter what uh, your societal rank is. It doesn't matter about anything like that. We're all sharing a bowl of tea. And the the previous grand master, uh, we refer to him these days as Dai Social, sent uh, Genshitsu now, Ounsai. He's been traveling around the world almost 70 years promoting. His motto, which is Ichiwankara Peacefulness, which means peace through a bowl of tea. And so he's going around the world giving presentations and demonstrations in uh, cathedrals and uh, different venues and things like this. He even served tea on the uh, Arizona in Hawaii. And so uh, it's um, this this uh, idea of sitting together in a room sharing a bowl of tea means we're kind of bonding and so that's the whole concept of tea. But, of course, at the end of the day, you have individual people that don't like certain things about certain people. I mean, we're all guilty of it. There's, there's you know, we can't just look at things and point and well, oh, that's good or better. And, like, in the martial arts, you have many traditions of martial arts. And some people will say, oh, that school's not good. And it's, it's the same in tea. It's, it's, it's the, it, they're not wrong. It's just different. The schools are different. Look at it that way. You know, I walk into the room with my right foot. The other school might walk into the room with their left foot that doesn't make them wrong. It just makes them, you know, it's, it's something that's different. And I think that's a point that kind of is uh, throughout tea. So we've been lucky enough to have the, the non-Japanese side of tea, I think 50, over 50 years now, there's been a, a non-Japanese uh, group of tea practitioners. So you were mentioning that there are not many non-Japanese tea teachers. In Japan, there are not many ja- non-Japanese tea teachers, but throughout the world, there are several. Even in Japan, uh a professional tea teacher is very uncommon meaning that uh, the good majority of people that are doing tea are doing it as a hobby so people that are actually making their living from it are very few
0: hmm. is, is there uh, is there a reason for that that there's few um professional tea masters
1: i don't i i wonder i wonder if it has something to do with the actual logistics of gathering students and things like that uh and uh Because of my situation, being a non-Japanese is maybe a little bit easier because I can do the kill two birds with one stone, let's do tea in English thing. But uh, there are um, also the interest of cultural arts, you know, it waxes and wanes and things like that. And so um, back in the bubble time, like I said, it would just, I would be a rock and roll star. (laughs) Just, you guys, I'm sorry, forget it. (laughs) Talk to my secretary's secretary, you know, this this isn't happening.
2: Well, even this time we had to go through an introduction, so.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Very Japanese. So, um, yeah, no, um, I mean, the reality of it, of course, is you know it's it's it, and it takes a lot to get to to be a, a professional team master as well like i said it was a 3 year course and even then when i started teaching i wasn't really fully confident of being a, a good teacher you could probably ask my students these days and they might not think i'm a good teacher now anyways but there's you know there's something there and so uh, i think it's just a question of the the reality of the situation I'm, I'm don't get me wrong there are people that are doing it but it's just not as many as one might think and another misconception is that everybody does teach a great majority of Japanese people don't know anything about tea. If you pay attention to what I kind of talk about today, you'll know more about tea than the average Japanese person does, mm. you know? And so uh, kind of sad, but true.
0: Yeah. I, I don't know many Japanese people don't know anything about tea ceremony either, unless they might've learned some, maybe in, in junior high or high school, yeah. they probably had like yeah, a cultural They, they do club.
1: have clubs and things like that. And oftentimes you have like, your grandmother or your aunt was a tea teacher or something like this. So they do have that connection. That kind of makes it different between non Japanese people and Japanese people who are wanting to study tea. I often get this question um, Japanese people have tea in their history. Okay. Even if you don't care about tea, you hate it, you just never want to experience it, you know who San Ryukyu is. You studied him at school using TV and manga and different things. So you know about him, but non-Japanese people, when they want to study tea, they make an effort to come to tea either through the spiritual side or some kind of artistic side, or, you know, they have different reasons. Oftentimes they intersect with the Japanese people as well. Cause like I said, I don't want to, I don't want to make a difference between races or nationalities because anybody that has an interest, we share the same interest. So uh, I think that's important. And so this kind of, uh, historical background gives them a little bit it's not a leg up at all everybody starts from zero even if you know who Rikyu is doesn't mean you know how to make a bowl of tea and so uh, you know that's part of my goal is to be able to entice people to to want to get a, an interest in tea i go around japan again not so much these days but uh planting seeds of interest in uh doing the way of tea
2: um yeah just some thing that i saw on the internet is it true that uh was he the guy that was asked to commit suicide? Yes. And that was because back then there was, like you were kind of describing before, it's very different now, but there was a very, uh, social, uh, status, uh, relation, uh, with tea, tea ceremony. And, uh, what, what exactly happened there? Uh, be, if you, yeah. Yeah.
1: I'll be perfectly honest. There's a lot of speculation as to why it happened, but we do know it is documented that he was asked to commit ritual seppuku by Hideyoshi, who by all, uh, terms was his friend and confidant, but apparently he pissed him off somehow. And, uh, there are various reasons, uh, like we have Daitokuji, which is the main temple related to tea in, in uh, Japan, especially here in Kyoto and the front gate, uh, there was a, a statue of Riku commissioned by the abbot or whatever, and this was put up in the front gate. So Hideyoshi going through the front gate would have to walk under the feet of Senor So that was one excuse. Another excuse was uh, he wanted Riku's daughter, couldn't have her. There's, there's just, there's a lot of different things, but I mean, to be perfectly honest, at the end of the day, we don't have a real reason. All we do know is that it did happen and he did commit ritual seppuku. Wow. Uh, I think he was, I don't remember his age. That's very bad of me. I'm, I'm guessing in his seventies. So.
2: Mm. Is there um, is there an expectation, or is there kind of also just a just from oneself, um, you know, just outside of the tea ceremony itself, or out of the class and everything? Is there a a way that uh, you kind of carry yourself differently, or you know, uh, interact with society differently as a tea master?
1: There's supposed to be, (laughs) um, yes, there's a lot of protocol. I mean, and this is something again, that comes with my age and lack of testosterone. Um, (laughs) I find that I, I don't want to say bending the knee, so to speak, because I, I was, when I was younger, I was very vocal and aggressive and, uh, in a nice way, <laughs> but uh, I'm finding myself concerning a bit, My concerning myself a bit more about how people will see me because I am a representative at a very high level to the tradition that I belong to. And I wouldn't want to create a loss of face for the people above me or for the people that I respect. And in that instance, I tried to watch my P's and Q's for the most part. There are things that I do have strong opinions on and uh, triggered the right way. I probably would uh, speak my mind without giving thought to, you know, what kind of reaction would would come from it. But um, for the most part, I like to think that I'm evolving (laughs) into a a nicer person than, say, I would have been 20 years ago, 10 years ago, (laughs) yesterday. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I I guess just have, it's very
0: similar too. Yeah, for yeah. myself, I guess. Yeah, I just have uh, one more thing to ask uh, ask you, Randy. Um, no you were saying before, them. like you try to kind of spread, um, you know, the knowledge about Japanese tea. Um, but how, how would you? How would you kind of attract people to come and experience it, or to even study it, even?
1: Well, for me myself, in that instance, when I was talking about going around Japan doing it, it's not so much me doing it, it's I'm being invited to speak. People are quite interested in it. How long they want to do it or how they go about pursuing it is a totally different thing. So uh, outside of the fact that I have a shop here that introduces tea by a tea experience, I myself personally don't go out and advertise. When I was first starting, I had a little, what would you call it? A little clip in the newspaper that I would run, you know, like a regular classified ad, if you would, To gather students and so but after that I didn't really need it so to speak and so I think people know what the tea ceremony is let's say on a superficial level without wanting to sound arrogant on a superficial level they know that it's something that they can create a a bond with mindfulness and escape the the hectic pace of everyday life true today as it was 100 200 300 400 years ago every every era has its own hectic times. And so uh, I think it's uh, something that people are searching for, to be perfectly honest, uh, because it reflects on the the four principles of tea, which are harmony, respect, purity, and tranquility. And so these four ideals are what we strive for in our everyday practice. And hopefully that moves out into our everyday life as well. Mm -hmm. And so, like I said, the people that are interested will find me or find somebody else. Of course, I'm not the only tea teacher. But I am always looking for new students, so you <laughs> Thank
0: and, you. And you've all, you've also written a book about. Uh, uh, yes, chano-yu, Right? Yeah. If you, could yeah. you uh, talk a little bit about that and what what it's about?
1: Okay, so the, the this is the book.
0: The book of Chanoyu. Chanoyu.
1: T. The master key to Japanese culture. Oh. And so, it's a book that I wrote in uh, 2016 to celebrate my 20th anniversary as a tea master. And uh, so the title of the book uh, made a mistake here, to be perfectly honest. I didn't put tea ceremony in the title (laughs) because my tradition, we don't like to refer to it as the tea ceremony. We don't want it to seem ceremonial and something that people can't grasp, but to be perfectly honest, everybody knows it is the tea ceremony. So the book's in its third printing right now. Over 10,000 copies. So, if it had been marketed properly with tea ceremony in it, I'd probably be doing this. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you wouldn't be on the podcast today. <laughs>
1: yeah. I don't know. I don't think it's going to get Harry Potter type scores. But, you know I mean. but to be honest, though, the book itself, the English rights have been picked up by Tuttle, and there will be a new book called Zen Tea Ceremony Introduction to Zen Tea Ceremony. And that will be coming out. Uh, probably in fall this year, and that will be uh, through Tuttle Publishing. Uh, If I'm not mistaken, they said they have it up on the Amazon pre-order page, so please feel free to do it. It will include a couple more chapters and a few more illustrations. And so uh, the book itself, uh, Tea, the Master Key to Japanese Culture, the reason I entitled it, as I mentioned earlier, Tea is connected to so many of the other arts and crafts and traditions in Japan that I wanted to introduce um, some of the other arts with it the publisher didn't want the book to be uh, an instruction book on how to tea because there are many of those around and they wanted to know a little bit about my story. So at the beginning, I talked about, (coughs) excuse me. I talked about a little bit about what we've already spoken about in the podcast, my path to tea and things like that. And then I go on to introduce (coughs) architecture and different kinds of things that are connected to the way of tea. Uh, yes, it's, uh, the, the charm of this book as a bilingual book is that the Japanese and English are on the same page and you don't really have to turn the pages to get the thing. So a lot of Japanese people are buying it to study English. A lot of English people are buying it to study Japanese. Not enough people are buying it. So all your listeners, please buy several copies. <laughs> and and, and when so you ed- come to bring it to Kyoto and I'll sign it for you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and can uh, can people find that on on Amazon as well or maybe a website? Um
1: Amazon Japan, yes. That's actually even in Apple Books as well on uh, I don't know if it's, I think it must be in Kindle as well then if, if it's ebook. And uh, in if you it there are a few copies on uh, amazon.com as well. But if you're in Japan I'd recommend Amazon Japan and you know it's just quicker and probably cheaper, I don't know. But you can find them in bookstores still. Hmm. Um, a lot of the bookstores have a T-section. It would either be in the T-section or the English section. To be honest, I don't know. It would be up to the individual bookstores to where they would want to market it. All right, great. But having said that, the next printing of this book will have the word tea ceremony in it, in the title somewhere. Uh, we, they were supposed to do it for the third printing because after the first printing went out immediately, I was like, come on, let's get this in there. And then they changed editors kind of in screen And so the... The editor today, I hope it's the same editor, she's in agreement so that we should have tea ceremony in there somewhere to pick up sales. So, <laughs> But the other book, like I said, Zen Tea Ceremony, an introduction to Zen Tea Ceremony will be put out by um, Tuttle. It's a beginner's guide to the Zen Tea Ceremony, developing Mindfulness and Calm the Japanese Way. And so this book, like I said, will come out, uh, depending on your location, it comes out maybe a bit earlier in uh, Australia, New Zealand, and then if I'm not mistaken, in America and the UK, it comes out in October. In Asia, it comes out in maybe September. But at any rate, this fall, we're going through the layouts and the final editing right now.
0: Brilliant. Well, yeah. uh, th- thanks for joining us, Randy. I don't know if you My have any other, any other questions, I hope Burke.
1: We, I hope you no. covered all the topics you want to
0: cover. Yeah.
2: Uh, it was, uh, it was really interesting. Th- you know, I think I've been, uh, participated in a tea ceremony, uh, when I was in a Japanese course uh, down in, uh, Mieken before. Uh, you know, Mie is, uh, one of the, um, highest producers, I guess, of, of green tea that is, uh, uh, sold in Japan and stuff so it was all I mean but I didn't know much about it so to hear a yeah. lot about it from somebody who has such a deep knowledge about it and has committed so much of their life to it was definitely very interesting and uh, and I think it's also important too because um, you know it is one of those uh, uh, traditions of Japan that uh, maybe a lot of people didn't know there was an avenue to become a, a ceremony master and stuff yeah so to definitely
1: like the like you, the, yeah. the for anyone that's wanting to go there it's definitely there but like i said before the reality of it is something that you should take into consideration and how you would want to go about doing it um it to be perfectly honest i i wouldn't want to say it's something you should do lightly you know it, if it seems like it's your path i would definitely choose it because it is rewarding in many many aspects as well
2: that's definitely a uh, great advice from uh, somebody very knowledgeable on the topic. So thank you so much.
1: My pleasure. Like I said, I hope uh, you and your listeners uh, got enough. <laughs>
0: <And> <laughs> if they, they can... haven't, they can uh, they can get the book. Exactly. There you go. Yeah. Brilliant. All right. Thanks a lot, Randy. Um, take okay, care. Thank you. And uh, good luck with uh, good luck with everything.
1: Thank you very much for inviting me. It was a pleasure. Bye. 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 This
0: episode was brought to you by Barefoot Bar, a bar that is located downtown in Sapporo in a place called Tanuki Koji Block 6, which is walking distance from Odorio, Suskino Subway Station. So they have a variety of Japanese-made craft-bottled beers, a range of whiskies, basic cocktails, uh, there are burgers and other pub-style food, some snacks, and due to COVID, the bar is open only from Thursdays to Sundays from 6 p.m. Uh, there's also friendly English and Japanese-speaking staff, so yeah, if you want to practice some English or Japanese, uh, pop on down and uh, yeah, have a drink. For more information, check out their Facebook page, Barefoot Bar, and that's. Bear the animal, B-E-A-R, foot bar.